Hello, and welcome to the Special Needs Sibling Podcast, where we talk about what life is really like as a sibling to someone with special needs. I'm your host, Charlene, and today our guest is Kara, all the way in Singapore. Thank you. Hi, <laughs> Thanks for everyone. coming, Kara. Thanks for having me over. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it, it'll, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Um, yes. So uh, just to get to know you a little bit, can you tell us about your family structure and who has a disability? Okay, so for me, I'm the younger sibling, so I have an older brother with autism, and then there's my mom, and then my dad passed on last year, so it's just kind of like the three of us, and I got married last year as well, so that's my husband in the picture. Yes, and congratulations, that's, that's very exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you have a full house, which is, which is its own, like, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. So... Um, in terms for your brother, can you describe a little about about his autism and any fun facts you would like to share about him? Ah, okay. So my brother is more on towards the mild to severe side of autism. So he has words. He repeats a lot of words. There's a lot of echoics, but he doesn't understand the words that he repeats sometimes. Oh, um, okay. yeah. And then other than that, he needs a lot of prompts for like daily living skills as well like he knows that i'm supposed to eat but he needs someone to tell him that hey it's time to eat like go eat oh yeah. but he like knows it's supposed to happen yes he but just... he just wants to wait for someone to tell him to do it <laughs> and i'm like boy i need to go to work yeah <laughs> Like, I don't have time for this. Yeah, you need, like, a machine. Like, you know how, like, uh, they have automatic, like, you know, like, cat and dog feeders? Like, they just dispense oh, the foods. Yeah. I feel like you just need a machine that has, like, your voice that and just tells, tells him. him. Yeah! yeah. Yes. So what I do secretly is that, uh, because we have a CCTV in the living room, mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm at work, I'll just randomly, like, talk via the CCTV. And my brother's yeah. like, who's there? What's uh. happening? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that was my second thought, which was probably is probably a little more like um, practical versus like mm. the automatic, like my invention that one day may <laughs> may exist. <laughs> like, it, might, it might it might come into place. It's a good idea. Yeah. No. Yeah. My sister. She. I feel like when she was growing up, she was more repetitive in the sense that she would repeat the same words and not mm -hmm. really quite understand it. But now I feel like. She knows what she's talking about. She just chooses to have a more, but she, it's like a more limited vocabulary, but it's also she likes other people repeating her. So oh, like, so if she I wants people to say what she's saying. Yeah. So she's like the opposite in that space. So like normally, like, I th I'm guessing in a situation, if you said something to your husband, then your brother would want to repeat what you said. Yeah. Right. And then, so for me, what happens is like, if I'm talking about something, she doesn't care. But like, if she was to talk about something, then I have to repeat what she's saying. Oh God. Yeah. But is she really adamant about it? Yes. Ah. Yeah, but but it's all like one word at a time. Ah, so it's not like full sentences. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, okay. so that that I I got lucky on that part where like it's they're all. It's all one word based stuff. And then okay. most of her stuff is two syllables. Once we get past two syllables, her like um, pronunciation gets a little wonky. wonky right? So then I have to and... like interpret based on the context of her. Normally she does all of it in a chunk. 
So it's okay. like she'll kind of do this, this whole one thing at one time, which is generally uh-huh. her routine. So okay. as, as long as I know the order, uh-huh. then I can kind of like figure it out. But yeah, yeah. there's times where yeah. we all kind of just look at each other. We're like, what? what? Like, and we all, we're all like trying to think yeah, of things like, that rhyme or that have similar saying? like vowels or something. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. I think for my brother, it's more of like he has words, but he just doesn't choose to say them. Okay. Uh, even when it comes to eating food, he will just point. He won't say that eat or hungry. He, even though he has those vocabulary words, but oh. yeah, he just chooses not to. He's like, let me just show you. Yeah, like I'm yeah. too lazy to talk. Just, just yeah, I'm, I don't want to use my mouth forever. So let me just show you what I want. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And I think growing up, he had a lot of like sensory aversions. Like he didn't like the taste of meat. So he was a vegetarian for a long time. No, I I think my sister, so she, so she loves meat, but she didn't eat like, so she didn't eat things that were like green and orange for a long time. Interesting. Wow. Which it's not a texture thing, but that's a color thing. But oh. but even to this day, I still think she won't eat mashed potatoes. Ooh. But she'll eat potatoes li- like she'll eat them fried. She'll eat them like, like sl- She'll eat them almost in any form, but not mm-hmm. mashed potatoes. Mesh. She doesn't like that. The mushy. She likes extra crunchy. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But um, are there any? Um, topics you would like to talk about on the podcast, like, which we're already talking about, kind of like various things, but are there any topics in, like, in particular that you wanted to bring up or talk about? Um, I I think more towards the adult advocacy and the adult care. Sure. With regards to, like, because we're both from different countries, right? So, like, in Singapore, it's really different, per se, and also, like, like, every time when I try to find a, a sibling support group, the first one that I see is always somewhere in America. Oh, yeah. And in Singapore, we, we recently only started one recently. Yes. Yeah, so it's like two years old kind of thing. So we're trying to build that like support group for the siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what about on your end? How is it like over there? It's... I feel like... So the biggest one that probably majority of people that I have talked to and record with we it's which is sibnet which is like a facebook group which mm-hmm. sibnet i might get this wrong but i will put a link just for people to read about it but okay. so yeah so because there there's there's one really big umbrella and so and one of their like subsidiaries is sibnet as part of their like bigger entity and i forget and i mix them i mix two of them up that's why i don't want to say it out loud because i'm like i forget Uh which one is which but i i will make sure i put it and i'll send you Mm. a thing so that i get it right Mm. um but yeah so that's probably the most like i'll use the word like communal one in terms Mm -hmm. of you basically just join the facebook group and then it's like Mm -hmm. everyone you know, in the I I guess it's in the U.S. I never really thought about if there's people in other parts of the world. I know that everyone in the U.S. is like in it, so there's people constantly kind of just posting like whatever they need to. So sometimes it's like really happy, sometimes it's like frustrating or venting, mm-hmm. and like just kind of like a very it's a it's a varied thing. 
Um, but mm-hmm. from when I've talked to people, people who are not like, I think it's really useful for people who don't quite have like in real life friends that are siblings to talk mm-hmm. to, uh, just because it is a community of people that is there that can respond and like they understand mm-hmm. versus for people who don't have yeah just friends in real life that they can actually talk to or that like are hard to get a hold of so i know there's mm-hmm. that i know that there's um another and there's like a there's another organization in, and this is the part where it gets a little confusing so i know that in the united states so there are um each not every state a lot of states have these things called sibling like they're like sibling leadership network chapters and mm-hmm. so within one state in the united states you can join that and those people actually try to meet like either in person or virtually and they like meet kind of on a oh, more okay. consistent monthly basis of some sort so it could okay. be either like a presentation of something um or like just them hanging out like mm-hmm, what we're doing yeah. right now but just you know in yeah. a more bigger group and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so th- i know that th- there's that also so those are the two that i'm very that's those are probably like the biggest things that you can kind of mm-hmm. like if you're in the u.s and you google it like those pro- those two things are the ones that come well, up the uh, most uh, yeah wow because in singapore i think it's really hard uh, even with the group that like the the support group that we have right now Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is that they we do like monthly uh is it monthly yeah, monthly weekend lunches together. Okay. So we kind of hang out at this place, a communal space. Yeah. And then we kind of lunch and we play games. And it's also a safe space to like rant about your siblings sometimes yes. because you know. Yeah. That's that. And then um strangely this group also they include um I think it's a quarterly um meetup. So they kind of go for a field trip with your sibling themselves. So this is for the adults. Oh. So we get to bring our siblings along for the field trip. So I think was it in April? I brought my brother to like gardens by the bay in Singapore. So he yeah. kind of got flowers and stuff. And he got to like play with other siblings as well, which was really like, oh, I can breathe now. You play with oh, them. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, then they actually can yeah, because you're not like freaked out because you're like all together. So you yeah, can just and I feel together. like all the other siblings kind of get each other. So there's, there's like, oh, you know, my brother, because my brother is on the lower end of the spectrum, right? So he doesn't speak or what, or do things properly. But immediately they know that, oh, it's fine. It's okay. And they just laugh it off. Yeah. So a very, very safe space in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's so much more reassuring than like, than other not. People. <laughs> yeah, they're not having that. Yeah. In yeah. in the US, like I think from a well, I don't know I don't know what the the parenting community is like in Singapore, but mm-hmm. in which so in the US I know that there's pockets of parents and organizations that will hold kind of like like a retreat where you can bring like your whole family or just your sibling or just your child like with a disability mm-hmm. and then that's it's kind of like what you're talking about but it's, ah. those are more kind of 
annual things, not so much mm-hmm. like weekly. But I, I mean, and, th- and that's a mix of parents, siblings, guardians, organizations. Like the, the yeah, it's a, mix a lot of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I don't. Yeah, but I don't know if those exist in Singapore though. Mm. In Singapore, I think it's more catered towards the younger kids. Strangely, like when we talk talk about siblings with special needs, they they're always talking about kids. Oh, okay. I I think in Singapore they still like kind of forget to realize that you know the siblings and the special needs siblings they grow up to be adults. Yes, we're, we're like forgotten. Hello, we exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, that happens a lot in Singapore because every time when I try to search something to do with siblings or like special needs, it's always about kids early intervention and yeah it's 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 a bit mm, it's a bit harsh interesting yeah early intervention that's that's something that's much more recent than i've like been talking to people about because i didn't even know that that existed until a month ago maybe not even that like it was a very recent thing that not yeah not in the, it, not to the detail that I knew about it because I was like oh mm-hmm. I guess it didn't surprise me because I guess you just think about like you know like abusive homes or like neglect mm-hmm. or you kind of think about more mm-hmm. severe kind of instances where you talk about early intervention right, yeah. but I never thought of it being like in the disability space I never had like connected early intervention oh, wow. with the disability okay, families with regards to my career, I I was an engineer before, and then I went into teaching kids with special needs thanks to my okay. brother. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I went into that into that. So I taught um the older kids, and then I did early intervention as well. Oh, okay. So, so early intervention is very very popular in Singapore, even like because Singaporean parents are kind of like a bit helicopter parents, so okay. they kind of worry and like. Oh, does my child have any special needs? Can you come and do a session? Can we put him in the early intervention? Oh, yeah. so how does early intervention work in Singapore or in general? Because I don't, I'm not um, super like familiar with it. Okay, early intervention. We follow through a curriculum based on whether it's a government school or a private school. They have different curriculums, okay. and then we cater towards um the the kids are grouped based on their levels, not their age. Oh, so okay. Uh, their cognitive levels so they're they're working on that and also um i think the teachers we used to create um ieps as well so like okay. creating different plans for each child and yes. trying to integrate them as a class okay my classroom was crazy sometimes <laughs> crazy yes yeah yeah my sister she so she had an iep mm-hmm. when she was in lower school probably until the age of 12 i want to say she Mm. had ip when she was in school but yeah i yeah i i guess it was one of those things where i knew that her iep just equated to like that's what her plan was like in school i never like thought of it past that i just knew that this is like what it was supposed to be for her in school Mm. But did you guys have like, you know, moving forward, did they have um, plans for after 12 years old? Was was there like vocational training and stuff at that mm, time? Okay, so, so I think it just, so it's, it's available. I think it just depends on the school you're at is what I've kind of, when I was talking to my mom at that time, that's kind of like what we, I deduced. Cause mm-hmm. so we actually took her out of the school system 
after she was 12, just for a variety of things. Um, Mm -hmm. So we put her back in school. And so what the thing was, like, in, in her, like, so she probably went back into the school system at 16. Mm, so so there was a break right yeah um so from 16 through 18 which is normally kind of like when you graduate Mm. high school like in the u.s right Mm. so at that so at that time so most schools will have kids like with any disability whatever they can graduate so Mm. the key is if if the high school you're at has the extra program which is until you're 22 so here Mm. they call it transition i have no Um, idea like what that would be called in other countries but in the u.s it's called a transition program so i think it just depends on the like i don't i don't know if it's like i don't know the specifics of how it works and i know that like the cognitive level of everyone that was in there was different because i Mm. think we do more uh, age-based, not oh, cognitive-based. No. So okay. I think there's there's probably kids that have, you know, they're similar, but once you hit 22, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you just, you exit. Just from ah, okay. an age standpoint. So I know that in her transition program, they, like, went out to do a lot of things. So they went, like, mm-hmm. learn to take the bus and, like, go to all these different things and... So my sister is not at the, like, she would not be able to work um, Mm -hmm. just because she can't do certain things by herself and her motor skills and all Mm -hmm, that stuff. But but at least they took her out. So that's why it's kind of like, I don't know if, I can't remember if her whole class would do the same thing or they would split up. That's the thing I don't remember. But Mm -hmm. I know that those programs exist, but I don't think every high school has them. So that's kind of like a what state do you live in in the u.s mm-hmm. and then like what are the disability services per that state and then it gets into like what city within that state and what is their policy and all like their wow. kind of like regional supports like and then mm-hmm. within the city that you deal with counties and counties wow. just just from a regular public school standpoint it's already kind of not consistent so even if I was like a normal kid and I like moved mm-hmm. states or counties or whatever, it would be it's also like a mess. So you oh. could imagine that like yeah. for people with disabilities, it's also it's just even that much more of a hurdle because it's already pretty like the count yeah, so then the counties and then with every county you have potentially more than one school district also. Oh, wow. It just depends. I feel like most most counties have one school district, but that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. It just depends. So we could just we just we were very fortunate that the where my parents lived, my sister just took a school bus probably I don't know how long. So well the drive from from where my parents lived was probably like a half hour. Just because she has to drive, like, across... Because where they live, it's similar to the size of Singapore. So it's just, it's just driving yeah. across the whole across. thing, basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's just, it's kind of a little bit wonky. So I, so I don't know how common this is, but I've heard that people will actually move states to get more services sometimes. Not necessarily true, but I've heard that 
that's been done before. Yeah, and I won't blame the blame it for for it happening as well, right? Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Because in Singapore, what uh during my brother's time, what happened was that he stopped school at twelve, during the nineties, the late eighties, nineties ish. He didn't have a senior program like a after twelve program. Yeah. Um, the government didn't know how to handle, so they stopped school at twelve. Oh. Yeah, and then all all the way till he was like maybe eighteen, probably eighteen. Yeah, he didn't have school, and then we found an adult center. Yeah, so we found an adult center, and then we engaged them, and then um they have school bus services. So yeah. we did like a half day program for him. So he goes, mixed with others, other adults with autism. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of learn different skill set, and they also learn how to like, um, like do out uh, field trips. They go for swimming classes and all those stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, that's interesting. That like after twelve, you're just kind of stuck with them. Which is, I mean, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just kind of like that's it's hard because it's like they went from like a a lot of structure and. You and then suddenly there's nothing. Yeah. Like there's no wow, that's hard to mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, yeah. Interesting. I, I think that's why my brother is very prom dependent. He he needs someone to tell him. No, that but that makes sense because like if he went from the age of twelve to like now, like without any sort of like here, let me teach you how whatever works, right? Like yeah. uh, unless you had someone come into your home and run like a, a program or something program, yeah but that's a whole but that even that's still different that costs a different amount of money than like school and right like that's yeah that's a and diff- i think in singapore in the 90s um autism wasn't really like like, like singapore didn't really understood what it was yeah or how do we deal with the adults or teenagers with autism they didn't know how to handle it yeah, yeah. I feel like that's here too. I didn't. I don't know as much about like that part, but I know that, like, the the language and terminology people will use to describe people with autism has like evolved a lot yes, since like the eight, like every kind of like ten years it will change. Again, yeah, and then, and then it'll I think evolve now because everyone seems very woke. I guess so. Some people don't like the term autistic. Some people don't like the term someone uh, uh let's just say um karen with autism they don't like that term then like what do we say now what do i call them yeah i i don't know i feel like that's like a it's such like an uphill battle no matter what because it's like because yes. you can't you can't please everyone but like also people need to understand what you're talking about because if you use some new term that no one knows what you're talking about then like everyone's yes. gonna be like what's that and then you just end up using the same old words yeah. Again, too, you know? Yeah. So, how long were you an engineer before you switched to teaching? For a year. Oh, one year. One year. I was a, a programmer for a year, like electrical engineering programming. So, mm-hmm. I was in that job for a year. I was like, oh my God, I hate this job. <gasps> 
<laughs> because when, when you're studying engineering, you know, you apply the skill set, you learn the maths, you learn the physics, you learn programming, right? Yeah. But then when you go into the workforce, it's like, oh, everything's automated. And then like my brain is very bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but then, yeah. then you have to either learn how to automate or figure out another <laughs> another route yeah. to work. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at that point, I was like thinking to myself, like, what? do I enjoy? And then I realized that I enjoy like teaching kids. And then I realized like, hey, my brother has special needs. Why don't I go to his school and, you know, see if I can get a job there? Because I do have the experience growing up with someone oh. with special needs. Yeah. Because um, in Singapore, as much as you can, I think anywhere, as much as you can study about special needs or autism or, you know, Down syndrome or GDD, it's just the experience is the one that kind of helps you throughout when yeah. you're dealing with, um, a, let's just say as an early intervention teacher or as a behavior therapist or a speech therapist, it's the experience that kind of um, shapes you more rather than, you know, the qualifications itself. Yeah. yeah. And um, strangely, when I got into um, the school that my brother used to go to as a kid, yeah. uh, my supervisor was his teacher. <laughs> Oh, funny! And, and, and my supervisor was like, I remember your brother. He used to spit at me. I was like, oh. Oh. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because did, did you think that, like, so I know when I was growing up, I would go through these phases where I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be a speech therapist. Like, oh, no, I'm going to be like a side. Like, I would go through, like, did you go through those two? Yeah. I think when I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor. Like, I was like, okay. I'm going to cure this. Nothing's wrong with my brother, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But I think growing up, yeah, there were phases that, oh, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a nurse. And then I realized I don't like needles. So I was like, no, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have a friend who, yeah, I have a friend that was in that situation where they like they don't like blood, so they're like, no, mm -hmm. can't, can't do that. <laughs> like, no, there's, no, there's yeah. no really no hope for that part. Oh my god! But yeah, uh, how did you like go through those phases and then come to where you are right now with your career? Oh gosh, that's a uh, well. I was like, that's, well, here, I guess I'll start when I was little. I'm trying to, when I got into adulthood, it kind of just, like, went all over the place. Mm -hmm, yeah. Which I, I think when I was, I think up until my kind of first couple of jobs out of school, I could kind of connect that to, like, my sister after that. I think that's just regular, uh, you know, young adult crisis. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. so when I was younger, I used to... Yeah, so I was like, oh, I want to be a speech therapist. And I was like, oh, but I really like science. Like, oh, I'm going to be a mad scientist. And like, oh, but I want to help my sister. But like, oh, but like, I kept like going back and forth because I was like, do I really, like, as much as I love my sister, like, do I want to still be mm -hmm. with people who are like her versus just be with people who are more like, like typical, mm -hmm. right? Type of yes, thing. Yes, typical, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so I think I kept just, I was just very like non committal for a long time. And mm -hmm. then. When I had to decide where I want to go to college, it was funny because that that wishy washy still was there, but not but with different um, what's the word? Different interests, I guess. So it wasn't about like doing speech therapies. I kind of was like, nah, like I just love my sister, and I'll kind of just like 
I'll like volunteer at places mm. or like kind of do that and like just like in my own time. Mm. So I was still very wishy washy. Um, because I was gonna like double major. I was like, oh, I'll do like two things that are completely unrelated from each other. And so I was like looking at very specific schools that I could do that because it was so like specific. Yeah. And then and then I like got and then I think my mom talked me out of it at some point. And so then, so then I went to school for like a very specific type of like art, which, which which, like is fine. But Mm -hmm. like, so the whole thing was that at the end of that, at the end of my graduating year, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to move to LA? No. (laughs) Do I want to move to New York? No. Like I was kind of like, it's all the, I had to kind of, if I wanted to really be in a production space i had to move somewhere where yeah. there was a lot of like movies or tv like but yeah and i was like i don't want to live this anxiety life like it it does it's so and it's funny because i didn't connect until i talked to another sibling because she was we uh-huh. kind of had similar production experiences ah, and stuff okay, like that okay. and mm-hmm. so we were talking about it, and it was so funny because i listened to her talk about it she kind of went further than i did but it was funny because as she was describing, I was like, oh, maybe that's why I didn't um, want to do it. Because it's just all high stress and adrenaline. And it's very, like, it's very much just living your regular sibling life. But now you have to live it because you, like, vocationally do okay. it. Um... And I was like, I don't, I don't. And I, yeah, and I just didn't, like, subconsciously, I must have not wanted, like, I just wanted to make the art that I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it. I didn't want to be told, oh, you need to do these things and do it this way, which is like, right, which there are art, it's, it's a very fine line, right? Because it's like, yeah. there's art for fun and there's art that people like commission and there's art that like, you yes. know, you do because you work on a production studio. Yeah, there's all these like nuanced things. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So then I said, I, ex- I was like, oh, if I expand my umbrella, to a wider version of what this art and like the skill sets that I learned that are tangentially <laughs> related, right? Mm-hmm. Then like, oh, I could still like be in the realm, but just in a different like space. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of got my first like two or three jobs. Mm. And then I ended up like in an engineering space. Oh which God. I kind of got there not by accident but like it's it's a semi accident semi uh-huh. just the people i knew at those other jobs just happened mm-hmm. to connect certain things and so when i got there i was like oh this is cool it's like it's like a huge company there's all these people and then like and i was the baby so i just learned everything from everyone right like everyone's mm-hmm. like i was like the little sister and like the little mm-hmm. kid and whatever and then and then the longer i was there the more i was like well the thing I liked about my job was not my actual job. I liked all these other things that were, that I was like not being paid to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh. And so that's when I was like, okay, I have to like get out of engineering. And and not because of anything other than like, I just didn't know. Yeah. yeah you don't yeah, know yeah. until like you're in it, right? That you're like, oh, that's not like, and it, and it made me realize like, it, it it's this thing like when I look back now on some stuff and when I'm talking to other sibs about like kind of you know you do lots of like self reflection mm-hmm. as you get older you think about your yeah. sibling and you're like yeah. wait and it's a lot of like I would do a lot of things because 
other people would suggest it. So if oh. other people said like, oh, like you could do this, I would be like, oh, that's a good idea, and I would consider it, right? And then like, and when you're in the workspace, that's really hard because it's I didn't. It's not like I overworked myself, but there was a lot of things I ended up just, like, trying to avoid or kind of went around or whatever, because, like, I just enjoyed those things more. So I think I had a... And I didn't really hit until, um, what was it? Like, towards the end of when I was working there. At the beginning, you do, you know nothing, because you just, you just yeah. know. Yeah, you're just learning, right? You're just taking it all in. Yeah. So it's kind of... And then... And then post that, I think it's just a lot of, like, you know, what do I actually enjoy doing instead of, like, what I think I should be doing, doing or yeah. what other people, like, think I should be doing. And I was like, you know, like, I like I I can take a pay cut and do something different, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big, like, not a big deal, but I think it's, if you had looked at the trajectory of kind of, like, where I was going stuff, it's very, like, oh, like, you're, like, getting paid more blah blah and it's kind of yeah. but then at that at the top of like whatever i the money i was making and like where i was at yeah. i was like well but i don't i don't enjoy it so i was like yeah eh. so then i so i took the pay cut mm -hmm. but i feel but what's interesting about that right is i feel better i have more time mm -hmm. and then i can do this podcast right yeah. which is which is a very interesting thing because with our time change right we're either one of us is meeting in the morning one of us is meeting at, at night end. pretty like deep yeah. into both of those right and so yeah. it's this thing where like if i did not take the shift that i'm working on mm. right like we would probably wouldn't have been able to yeah. like figure you it out have yeah. Created it, yeah yeah so it's been really it's been really interesting to meet other people even in the U.S. and around the world, just like with the time zone thing, mm. just because, like, and I and I would have never connected that back to my sister, right? Like, it's such a mm. weird way where if we only looked at my career by itself, you're like, oh, that's an interesting thing, like, fine. But if you connect it back to my sister, it's like, oh well, technically <laughs> going back to yes, to you know, her, right? And it's it's in a, and about her and my relationship where, um. Yeah, where I do care about her enough, I just didn't want to, like, be in a room where a therapist or kind of... Yeah. Yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. Yeah. 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 That's a long-winded answer, but, like, I feel like you... Yeah, but I feel like you understand. Yeah, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. Because I, I think when it comes to siblings, right, sometimes you start to wonder when you're older, you start reflecting, like, am I doing this because of my brother or because yep. of my sister and then i'm yep. just like no well i mean i was you uh, talking to my therapist about it and my therapist would say like okay let's just say if you're not doing um uh advocacy for special needs or you're not um, a behavior therapist for special needs what would you be doing and i just thought that eh, i will still be handling kids some way or another mm -hmm. so i realized that uh okay i i could set my boundaries in a sense yeah. that I try to not link it back to my brother. Yeah, yeah. So like even though I'm a behavior therapist now, I don't do therapy with my brother. Right. I just, right, right. I, like, I, I just have that fine line there for him. That if he yeah. acts a certain way, okay, I'll be your sister and irritate you. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, yeah, boundaries are so important. Like it's yeah. yeah. And I don't I was like I was gonna ask like what that's like in Singapore versus versus the US, but then I realized like I don't know where I don't even know how to really answer that. I think that's just an individual thing. That's not necessarily like a cult because culturally mm-hmm. it's it's in I don't know. I it it's an interesting thing only because like so so, well, okay, I guess I'll, I'll bring it back to, like, in terms of, like, how people live in their homes. So, in mm. the U.S., I would say, like, a good amount of people... You guys move out, right? Hmm? You guys move out at around, like, maybe 18? Is that yeah, age? it's a mixed bag. I think it just depends on the circles of people, but you can kind of generically say that, like, at 18, like, when people graduate from high school, they'll go to college, mm. and then X amount of people will go, like, out of state or move away, like, away, away, like, you know, over 100 miles or something, and then live in a dorm mm. or whatever. Some people will not be that far. To ma- they'll maybe be, like, you know, anywhere between 10 to 50 miles, but they'll mm-hmm. still live somewhere else. Uh. And then some, and then other people, like, what I did, I just stayed at home with my parents. I just commuted, right? So you mm-hmm. kind of, like, a mixed bag, and then some people, after they graduate, some people move back, some people go to grad school, and they kind of people, people are, I feel like people are always moving, mm. and they're kind of, like, between the ages of 18 to, like, 30. I feel mm. like people are just always moving for a variety of reasons. Some of them work, school, I, a lot of it's school-related, I feel like, because a lot of my... Mm. A lot of my friends from high school, they all went, like, out of state or somewhere far mm. enough where they had to move oh. somewhere. So, the thing is, like, at that point, then, if you've already moved, I feel like not a lot of people move back in with their parents. They kind of just stay mm. out. But in Singapore, it's not like that. Yeah, it's totally different in Singapore. So, yeah. uh, I th- I think it's because it's still an Asian community, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of, like... um. I would say, like, priority given to, like, uh, filial piety. So, like, after you... I mean, even when you're 18, you're still kind of studying. Boys go into the army. They'll be out in two years. Mm-hmm. So, even after finding a job, they still live with the parents. Oh, okay. It's usually when they are going to settle down. So, like, get married. And then that's when in Singapore, like... Because in Singapore, if you want to apply for housing, you have to mm-hmm. be married. To get a house. Oh. Yeah. And then it, if you want to rent a space, it's kind of like pointless because it's just this small room that you get, like this small space here. Oh, but I should just uh, live yeah. with your parents and have more space. Yeah. So that's why. That's why a lot of um, Singaporeans, they kind of wait till, you know, they settle down. But currently when I see most of the Gen Zs, they are trying out the concept that um, Americans have been doing all this while. So they are moving out, they are renting space. They're renting like a full apartment with their friends and living with their friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, and, and that, I think that's its own dynamic too. Cause, and that's why, like, it's interesting because I have not lived with my sister since 2019. Oh, wow. End of 2018, early 2019. Mm-hmm. I haven't lived with her. Yeah, so I just see her when I see... And and that's a... I feel like a lot of siblings in the U.S. 
the ones who are older, they all like it's kind of that we all like very much relate on that point. Like, oh, how far mm-hmm. away do you live from your sibling? You kind of just you go back and visit your parents, and you kind of just do this back and forth thing. But you're but you still live with your brother like right now. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been with me like that my entire life. Yeah, and then for me, like even though I'm married, but my husband moved in with me instead, yeah. knowing that I have to like caregive for my brother. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, those are, yeah, it's, it's all these, like, dynamics of, yeah, all different things. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, I think the, was it the first, uh, so during the first time when we chatted, I remember you shared about, like, the housing program, right? That, uh, that my sister's in, or? Yeah, 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 that your sister's in. Yeah, so, so in the U.S. in general, you kind of have like three main routes of of like caregiving mm. for for when your for when your child with a disability like becomes of age, like past like twenty two or whatever. You have like kind of mm-hmm. three options. So, uh, one of them is your family just does the caregiving and then you just kind of pass the baton until you know they're not on the earth and you just kind of figure it out Mm -mm. um another option um is you pay someone to come into your home and caregive Mm, okay okay. um and people have different there's like different like variations of that but the idea is that they come in so whether it's like for two hours or eight Mm -hmm. hours or like 24 7 uh, but, or whatever but are they like like uh trained professionals or yeah uh, okay yeah so you go through like an agency and then like they they ah. provide someone and then they try to get you know they try to like connect like like you know if you if you're if your sibling and that person don't like connect then you can like get another like, person try okay. to find yeah Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, so you kind of got to go through that agency and then figure it out, right? And if that person leaves that company, you kind of have to like then like oh no, yeah. yeah, yeah. So then, so you can, and that person just comes into the home wherever, wherever that, wherever like your sibling would be living. So if like he's living like in his own apartment or your house mm-hmm. or you know, aunt's house or whatever. Mm. Um, and then the third option is they go into a group home, where mm. and that's all like state-based city it's all government like that that's all at the mercy of like you have no control over that mm-hmm. <laughs> on some level you kind of you get on a wait list and you uh, hope okay. that you get it and that the mix is right and that they get yeah they're, they're and so that's kind of like the third option and so mm. what so what happens is they have these, so those are like the three main routes. There's obviously like, you know, other things people do, but those are the three kind of in the U.S. what people, what the mainstream of where caregiving would go. Mm. And so um, they have these things called like housing meetings. Mm-hmm. And so they're for parents when a lot of parents, I think, look into it whenever they're ready for their kid to kind of transition into that phase mm-hmm. so i feel like so my parents did it when my sister turned 18 i don't know when other parents do it i just know they did mm-hmm. it when she turned 18 because that's when we did her like conservatorship and stuff okay um which i think you call it something else in singapore but it's the same concept yeah. like we have like okay. the legal right 
to like, yeah, make yeah. her decisions and all of that. So stuff, to make right? the guardian so, shit, right? Is it guardian? Yes, yeah. 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 So I think it's the same thing. It's just different language. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they went so they went to these things called housing meetings. And so at these housing meetings, I and I don't know how they because I didn't go because I did you know, I was twenty years old. I'm like, I'm gonna go to school, <laughs> like I don't need this is boring. Like I'm not gonna go. Know, but... Yeah, but they parents would be able to meet each other, like you know, talk to whoever, get presentations and all that. So what happened was my parents went to a meeting, and then this other couple pitched the how what what is her housing now? Mm-hmm. So they pitched it at that time, and so my parents were like, "Oh, this is interesting," and they're kind of like, you know, they're telling me about it, blah blah blah. So if we fast forward from that point, so what? the situation is is and then they took inspiration from um other what is it like other existing places in the u.s that already were doing stuff okay so they they like there's two places that they looked at that this is based on what my parents told me that i can remember so there's two housing situations that exist in the u.s and so what Mm -hmm. my sister's place did is that they took half of each and then made it into their own thing oh okay yeah so part of that so one of them is a privatized housing thing so they a bunch of i think like 10 10 families came together they formed an llc bought a plot of land and built housing so all their housing is privatized Mm. so they Mm. just paid rent like from like all their social security and all that so they just they pay their rent that covers you know all their utilities and all that whatnot so that's half of it then the other half where they the same land that they reside on is a mm. nonprofit farm. Mm. Oh, nice. so th- so they're like they're technically separate entities, but they just live mm. on the same Pretty property. Land. But like obviously, all the residents can be can participate in the like farming the and farm. like the oh. helping to sell. So it creates a nice like diverse community of like be- them being able to to interact with like regular people and like people on the street i mean in a safe environment obviously but like yeah so so it creates like a safe space for them to grow old in a fostered community and interact with like kind of more like typical adults and stuff Mm. yeah um which in a group home technically like the housing situation isn't super different from that necessarily right it just i think it just depends on the group home that you get into and that's what state you live in and all the like mm-hmm. you know services that get right because it's very similar in that sense where you live in a house with other people and then there's yeah. an agency that then provides services for those people then you know then mm-hmm. the parents come in and like siblings come in and visit and blah blah, blah. so that part mm-hmm. it functions very like that um but like they're obviously not going to take like there's a capacity of which they're gonna stop taking residents versus group homes are kind of always like turning over because people leave, people pass, leave. people have to yeah. move and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. <laughs> wow, because in Singapore, with regards to like when it comes to like a home situation, especially for someone with a disability, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to like autism, Down syndrome, and all it they kind of mash them up with the elderly as well oh yeah so it's kind of like you will see a home that is meant for the elderly but they have a subsidiary 
program, I guess, that's supposed to be for special needs. So the older adults, but then they kind of like mash up the program together. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the wait list in Singapore is very long because we don't have that many facilities, right? Yes. Because it's so small. So the wait list takes about maybe two or three years. Yeah. 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 That that wait list, yeah. I mean, I don't know I don't know how long it is here, but that's I mean, no matter what, that's long. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Long, I'm gonna give long. you a number of like no, I, I have no idea how long the wait list is Mm-mm, in the US yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That it's. Yeah. I I didn't. It's funny because it's like, as I've explained things, I'm like, wow, like in the US, I feel like it's very complicated. Mm. Versus versus in Singapore. But like, that's also like a size thing. Like, like Singapore is like significantly smaller in size to the US. Literally a state. Our capital is. Singapore itself so yeah for you guys you have like, like when you explain it deeper right you have like like what cities yeah. counties and everything and school districts I'm just like whoa that's a lot yeah, yeah it's yeah and it's crazy because it's like obviously like whatever I'm telling you is like the extent of my knowledge which I think is correct yeah. and it's like yeah. obviously you talk to someone else in another state like <laughs> Certain be information different, can be right? different. Yeah, yeah, like I don't and it and it's a and it's what's crazy, like it's an exposure thing too. Like because if you don't because like for example, if my parents decide, oh, they're just going to caregive forever, mm-hmm. would not I probably wouldn't even bother to know All any of that information. information yeah. Right? Because they would just prioritize, oh, we're just gonna like take care of her and then yeah. Like not 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 even give it a second thought. Mm. So I feel like there there is a it, and it's yeah and it'll be interesting as I meet other siblings because I think some siblings I've met their 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 sibling with a disability is still like younger so they have mm-hmm. time. Other mm-hmm. people they're in a, they're like in a group home situation. Mm. Um. I think I met someone where she's actually the sole caretaker. Like they're mm-hmm. not doing homes or anything. It's just her. Yeah. So I think it's a it's a mix, but it's that's why it's it's a yeah. It's an interesting like what you like. I feel like in in the U.S. I guess the biggest thing is like you have more of a choice because like culturally you are not like obligated obligated to, yeah to, you're, yeah you're not i was trying to think of like no we'll use obligated for now just to like get yeah. the idea across but yeah, yeah. in the US, you're not yeah yeah for the most part you're not obligated to caregive for your sibling if they have a mm. disability there's other like means of caregiving that can be provided for mm. them if you choose to to do mm. that versus okay. i think in singapore i don't think it's they're, you're not at that point because culturally it's just very different it's different but i think in singapore the current parents they are trying to let the siblings have a separate life like oh. let them live their own life okay but then because singapore is also an aging population so it's kind of like oh. hard because there's a lot of old people <laughs> so a lot of us like adults end up care caregiving for our parents as well. Yes. 
and then end up caregiving for the siblings with special needs as well. Yeah. Because the parent can't um take care, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's where um Singapore is at right now because of the whole aging population and yeah. Oh, that does make it harder. But I guess that's why, like, for them, it's just easier. Oh, if they combined yes, with the elderly, right? Yeah. Then it just takes care of, like, everyone. Yeah. yeah. And it gives a it, indirect, like, social interaction for them. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, there, there's so many, like, nuances to it, which it's... Yeah, That, but that's why it's cool, because it's, like, even though... Even though, like, that situation is very different for me and you, but there's still s- certain things that are, like, very, like, relatable, which is, yeah, and that's, like, the, the crazy thing is, like, we can be so far apart, but, like, but we can still yeah, have very still similar, like, right? yeah. 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 But no, can I cool. ask, what was it like, like, for your childhood? Like, was your sister in the same school with you, or...? No, we went to different schools. Um, She went to, like, a specialized school, which mm-hmm. I think is more... more similar to what you were describing with, like, your early intervention. I don't know if that's what my parents mm-hmm. did or something that's very similar, but the school she went to was, like, a specialized mm-hmm. environment where, like, she did really well. Mm-hmm. Um then what happened was when she reached like middle school junior high or whatever i don't know what they call it in singapore (laughs) i think it's probably secondary school i think probably it's like because it's like when you reach the age of like 11 or 12 type of thing okay that's still primary school okay i guess it's just like the the latter end of primary school or something yeah yeah. So when she reached eleven or twelve, so so in the U.S., that's when you would like you switch into like a different mm. thing for like three years, and so the unfortunate thing was, um, well, okay, before that, so I was already at this school, so we could mm. because we're two years apart, so I could be like in one grade, she could be two grades below me, oh, so we could yeah. be at yeah. the same school, which was convenient. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the teacher that she would have had retired. <laughs> And so she was very good. So what happened was they got a new teacher and she was, she was so awful. Oh God. Like I, I to this day, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how she got hired. Cause like, as an example of how bad Mm -hmm. she was, um, my so i was in math class mm-hmm. and so my teacher gets this phone call in her classroom and then so she then she tells me oh like you know you can you go to the auditorium mm-hmm. and i was like sure like i was very like i didn't know i, didn't, I don't remember what else if she told me other information or not so i'm like mm-hmm. okay so she excused me i got a hall pass go to the auditorium mm-hmm. i go in the auditorium to find my sister mm-hmm. running up and down every aisle in oh. the auditorium because it's picture day and she did not want to for the life of her want to take this picture okay so so her teacher's um method in, instead of just trying to figure out or having the pair or like using you know tools and skills that tools, she probably yes. should have had <laughs> Was yeah. to pull me out of class. 
Oh, God. And deal with my sister taking this yeah. picture. And I got her to take the picture. Okay. But I was like, I don't. Like, this isn't your job. No. And I was like 13 or what? Yeah, 13, 14, right? Like, I don't. I just. You, yeah. <laughs> so get, so that's it. why my mom pulled her out after uh, that. After that incident, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was not good. Um, so that was the only time we were at the same school. Mm. And that was a pretty terrible experience for both of us. Like, my sister was oh. not happy. Yeah. I was not happy with that teacher. Like, I was just like, I don't... You, like... you. Yes, I'm her sister, but like you, that's your job. <laughs> You're the teacher, but yeah. you know what? Yeah, we... That happens in Singapore, um, preschool. Oh, really? So pre yeah, so preschool is like maybe like nursery, playgroup, kindergarten okay. kind of age, right? So yeah. like before six. Let's just say the siblings are in the same preschool. And um, maybe the child's not diagnosed yet, but the okay. teachers kind of notice that, oh, something's up with this kid running around a lot, blah, blah, blah. They will get the sibling to handle it. Oh, no! Uh, That's even worse. Yeah, as a therapist, when I look back now, I'm like, no, you're putting an adult responsibility to a four-year-old. What will the four-year-old do? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, and th and that's and that's why we're all seeing therapists now. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> welcome. Don't worry. Even the 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 support group that I go to, everyone's seeing a therapist. Oh yeah, I I I always every every sibling I talk to, I always bring up me seeing my therapist. Like I am a very big proponent of like, yeah, just go see yes. there or talk to someone, get professional help. Like it's because it's it's so hard. Because unless you really have someone who can help you, like de, like you know, de deconstruct it right? and demystify it, like it, yeah. it's so hard. Because like what you were saying earlier, right? Like there's so much of you really need someone to ask you, like if it was not about your sibling, would you do X Y Z, right? Because there's exactly. so many things, or or like even how we grew up, right? Because it's like I. Like, yeah, my parents, I can tell my parents certain things, but it's not going to be the same as like, well, how did you feel about that? Because your parents, right, because it's third running around yeah. dealing with your sibling. And you're not trying and, like, to be a trouble stuff. to them. Yeah, right. And there's all these like other, there's all these other things that like, it's not our parents' jobs now to fix, right? They, like at that yeah. point, that ship has sailed and we just, they can't fix what they've already done. It's, done. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it cannot be undone. Trying right. to like reflect back every time during therapy session, I'm like, no, it already happened. It's set in. Yeah, like it, um, and there's so many things. Yeah, I, I remember when I first started going to therapy, I was like, there was just a lot of stuff I was like, just did not know. And then now, mm. like as I'm deeper in it, there's just stuff where I'm realizing like, no, I really feel this way about this topic, mm -hmm. and I feel this way about this other topic, and like I'm not happy about what happened here, and it. And it's taken me, I mean, it's, it takes a long time to get there, right? Yeah, you have to really definitely. put in the effort to say, instead of just being like, oh, it's fine. Or like, oh, yeah. or even like, like I've said for a long time, like, oh, that's just like part of the, how it works, right? Yeah. That's just like, I can't change the way that anyone functions, but that's not necessarily true. Like, I can't change the way I show up, right? I can draw, yeah. I can put boundaries and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, you need to go figure that out.
which yeah. is so hard as a it's sibling hard. i feel like that's very it's hard to detach right? yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah very hard yeah oh, oh, so many have things. you ever like felt um angst or anger towards your parents for the pressure that was set onto you as a child i, I felt it? angry much later in my life Mm-mm. when i when it was happening yeah no yeah what i think when i i think when i started seeing my first therapist mm-hmm. that's when i realized like i had a lot of anger it was just all like suppressed. you know suppressed yeah <laughs> wow did it not ever like blow up um, it, it didn't really blow up at them. It blew up, like, in other, yeah. Yeah. Aspects of your life, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. How about you? I think for me, yeah, like you said, therapy really helps. Because reflecting on it, right, you realize that, yeah. I had a lot of anger issues. So for me, growing up, especially during puberty, I was really rebellious. So I was just like, I didn't want to come back home. I did not want to come back home because my brother used to be really aggressive mm. because it was his puberty period as well. Oh, yeah. So there was tough. a lot of aggression, throwing things, spitting, biting, and all those oh, stuff. No. So I did not want to come back home to, to yeah. that, right? Yeah. So my parents were like, why are you not at home? Why are you not taking care of her? But I'm like, that's not my job. <laughs> that's not my job, yeah. But I realize it now. Yeah. Yeah. And even with clients that I work with, um, especially if they have a younger sibling, I yeah. tend to notice that the younger sibling has a lot of angst. Yeah. <laughs> very angry children. I'm like, I'm sorry, I feel for you. I know how it feels like. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess with that, um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? I think in general, um siblings with special needs, whether it's like, you know. Any kind of special needs, whether it's physical or, you know, uh, invisible disability like autism, GDD and all. Um, siblings need to find that safe space. Yeah. And sometimes that safe space, it's okay if it's not home. I think yes. that's very important. It's okay yeah. if it's not home. They should be yeah. fine with it. Find somewhere else. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Because no, I think I, in Singapore, they that. kind of think it's only home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah, that that's interesting cuz I think that's not even a concept that I realized was possible until very recently. Yeah. Probably yeah, maybe within the last probably not even to like the last like year. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little or, or give or take, but yeah, as a kid like had someone told me that it would have been very yeah, it would have been very yeah. different. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, are there any I guess to close, then are there any words I mean you have some words of encouragement, which was that, but do you have any additional <laughs> words of encouragement to give to fellow siblings? Oh my god. 
um, seek help whenever you want to, whoever it is. And um, I, I think if we're all quirky, we're all quirky, right? So let's just continue being quirky. Because I noticed that a lot of siblings kind of suppress, like you say, your anger, your emotion, your identity, right? Yeah. I think we shouldn't like suppress our identity or replace our identity as, you know, I am so-and-so's sibling. Yes. Like you have your own identity, so just hang on to that. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Well, thank thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Special Needs Sibling Podcast. If you're new here, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help more siblings and friends find us. You can also support the podcast by donating on Ko-fi. That's K-O-F-I. You can check out the link in the description for more info. If you're a special needs sibling, I hope you feel encouraged and validated in your journey. If you're not a sibling but know someone who is, I hope you learned a little bit more about what their life is like. That's all for now. And until next time, this is the Special Needs Sibling Podcast.